Happy Sunday. Welcome, TOB family. It is great to be with you. We made it through 2020. It's the beginning of a new year. Take a deep breath. We, we made it. You made it through. Uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of myself for making it through this year. What a, a year 2020 has been. The reality is for many of us, 2020 did feel at times like a big loss. I think we can all agree that it was felt, loss was felt in one form or another from the craziness of COVID. The entire world, Christian, non-Christian, business, whatever sector of life you're in, wherever you are, you felt loss. And, and as I'm speaking this, I'm thinking there are people in the world that are just and have experienced tremendous pain this year, like tremendous pain. Varying degrees, but we've all experienced it. And it's hard, like pain and suffering that we face in this world, and especially this year, it's just difficult. We're at the changing of a year, though. And so what we're going to be doing in, this, in our time together is asking the question, what did God do in your life this year? What did God do in your life? Where was he at work? Rather than just thinking solely about the loss that ensued, let's look at how God worked because he did. So I want to just, let's just park there for a minute. Where did God work? Let's just think about that. Where was God at work in your life? Let's think of this pain. We've got pain. We've got suffering in 2020. And in there somewhere, God's working. I, I believe that and I want you to think about that now as you're reflecting on 2020 and as we're approaching a new year where we're in a new year. I also think, when I look at the world, I, I think of suffering, and I think of all the different ways to think about suffering, and then I look at Christianity and I go, okay, within Christianity, there is a way to see suffering a little differently. And in Jesus especially, a person like Jesus coming to the world who didn't deserve to suffer at all and did, Jesus understands the suffering. He also understands that it's not fair because he didn't deserve it and he went through it and I see Christianity and I see Jesus sitting there and they're going man I get this so let's 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 go into the Bible let's go to Jesus let's go to God with our suffering and, and let's try and look at where he was this year I used to do prison ministry back in the day and there was people and they were saying hey you know what I'm in jail I've obviously done something wrong here I am in jail and it was a chance for a lot of them to recalibrate and think Okay, well, I'm in jail right now. Whether or not I want to be here or whatever, I'm here. And what am I going to do with this time? And so we'd come in every week, and, and we were tracking with this one person all the way up until Christmas. Week by week. And just to let you know, when you're in the inside with these guys, you're saying, Christmas is one of the most difficult times for people that are in jail. It's just hard. They're looking around and they're saying, we're talking about gifts and going home. It's hard for them. They start to think back about when they were kids. It seemed to be nostalgic for them. They're thinking back when I was kids and my dad used to do this for me. And you're sitting there in this room and you're going, I'm celebrating Christmas. These guys are in here. And they would tell you first, you know, I deserve to be here. They understood that. But they, it was painful. It was a painful time, the Christmas season. They're reminiscing again. They're getting into this. There's this mood that sort of comes over all of us as we start to think about Christmas, right? So the Christmas season is approaching for these guys. 
and they're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop taking people for granted. I've got to get myself together. For this one inmate we were tracking with, there was confusion, heartache, disappointment, just difficult things that he was experiencing. He eventually ended up tracking with us so much so what we were doing that he, he, he said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know this guy you're talking about. So we, because we come every week and talk about the Bible, and he said, fine, you know what, I want to know about this Jesus. I want to accept him into my life. Eventually, this, this inmate started to think quite differently about his time in the prison, although it was full of disappointment and heartache and thinking about all the things that had been lost. He started to see that with Jesus, good could come out of the situation. Good could come out of his time in jail. So here's what he started to think. He was telling us this. I'm no longer going to think of the negative this year, which we think, okay. And I'm going to start thinking about a couple other things. I'm going to think about the reality that you guys have come every week and shared and teach me, and we weren't paid, and they always mention that. Like, you guys aren't paid to do this. You just want to do this. Yes, we do. We want you to meet Jesus, and that's what was so cool. And here's what he said that was the difference, and I think this is the thing where I say, we got to focus on this. Maybe God can somehow use this for good in my life and in the lives of others. Maybe God can somehow use 2020 for good in our lives and in the lives of others. Maybe God can do that. And this is where it's not just positive thinking. It's not just stopping to think about the negative and thinking about the good things in life. That's new age thinking, and we don't think that. We think differently than that. And so when he started to say, maybe God can use this for good, I'm thinking, you're on the right track, dude. We've taught you well because you're starting to see the difference. Maybe God could use this. It's not going to get you anywhere just thinking positively. It's going to get you somewhere when you think that God is using a situation. And there's pain with that. There is a famous story in the Old Testament where Joseph is in Genesis 50, 19 to 21. Joseph's been betrayed by his brothers. There's this huge commotion of Joseph believing that he's this special person and he brags in front of his family and his family despises him, at least his brothers do, and they kill him, or at least they think they kill him. And he climbs this ladder. He gets back on his feet. He ends up at the top of the world. He meets these brothers again and they say, he's gonna kill us. And he says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many people. There's a huge difference there. Joseph's not just thinking about the positive. He's thinking about what God was doing in it, in his pain, in jail, being betrayed again and again and, 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 and manipulated and all these things. And then he climbs a ladder and says, God was doing it for, for his good and for other people. This is a challenge. Like This is hard for us to get. Because all of us, rich, poor, wherever it is we come from, wherever we are, whether we're in Joseph's situation or not, have had in some way or shape or form a negative experience this year. Especially with COVID. 
And again, here's what I think. There's nothing else in the world that is going to redeem just crummy, painful situations. Nothing except for God. And that is huge for us. So in 2020, there are so many negative things that have happened. It makes us want to cry. It makes us want to just maybe even give up at times. And let's think for a moment about what God and where God was in 2020. This is a time for you to reflect. Like, let's just sit here and think about where God was in 2020. And, specifically, we're going to start looking at where other people were in 2020 for us. Where other people were for us. I pray, where if you're at home, that you would start to look back with your family on what God did in your family with a gospel center lens. We're going to look back at Paul, who tells us this. This is where we're going. Paul tells us to remember and give thanks. Let's rearrange our brains, get back to Paul. Pastor Ken has been leading us through a series all the way up to baby Jesus in a manger. And now we're going back to Paul. We're going back to the Apostle Paul. And we're going to look through this little book called Philippians. And we're going to remember and thank. Even in the midst of pain and suffering, we're going to remember and thank. Like that jail, that buddy of mine in in the jail, he did. He said, I'm going to remember and thank and see how God could use this crummy situation. That's what we're going to do. We're going to remember and thank and cry and rejoice in everything on 2020. And we're going to take the directives from Paul. So if you are new to what we're doing, you're not sure where we're tracking, open up your Bible to the book of Philippians. That's where we're going. We're looking at this amazing person, this amazing man named the Apostle Paul, who was advancing in his intellect, was so smart and so accomplished by the world. In terms of the business world, he'd be the Steve Jobs of the world. He'd be the Bill Gates of the world. He was advancing, and it was all stripped from him. All of it was stripped from him, taken, everything. And he meets Jesus And he thinks, man, I've gotten it wrong all along. And there are moments in life where we feel unworthy, where we feel like, you know what, we don't really think God could redeem us. And what the Apostle Paul is going to tell us, all of us have felt unworthy. All of us haven't felt like we're worthy of God's love. And Paul's going to say, Jesus can actually make you and your life worth it here on earth. He can make your time on earth worth it if you buy into what he's saying. We all want a life that's worth while and 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 I think a lot of us think my life isn't going to amount to anything and with Jesus and with and through Paul what we see is this guy that's changed he went from this guy who's climbing the ladder pushing everybody out of the way to humble and realizing that he is the worst of all sinners and that through him he can actually have a life that's worth it so what we see in Paul is this beautiful teaching. He goes around the world, he's teaching people, he's writing these letters, and he's saying, you're redeemable. That's what we're learning about in Philippians. We're learning about joy. We're learning about when we die, we, we go and are with heaven, uh, in heaven forever. This is what we've been talking about these, these past couple months before we transition to Christmas. Our jobs as Christians, I believe, is we're, what we're learning here in Philippians is our job as Christians is to continually put off our old self, put off our past self, and embrace 
what Jesus has given us, which is new life through him. That's the Christian message. If you're wondering what the Christian message is, that's it. Paul sums it up for us. That's what we find in this little beautiful book, Philippians. And it's so different than all Paul's other books. So if you are new and you're just wondering what Christianity is about, that is what we've been doing. And hopefully you can track along with our Christmas series too because it's all about Jesus and it's about what he did and how, as Pastor Ken always says, flipped history. He flipped the script. Jesus did. And that's where we've been. And so now we're looking at Philippians 4, 10, 14, and 18 to 20, and that's kind of just in chunks. So we're going to have the text on the screen for you to follow along there with us. But I really encourage you to open up your Bibles or your phone and dive in with us there. So Philippians 4, 10 14, 18, and 20. This is where we're going to start to get the directives from Paul on how we can do suffering and pain and, 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 and rough years like we've had better. So uh, here's what Paul says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. So he's writing to this church. Oh, you've, you've kind of revived your concern for me again, which is nice. Nevertheless, you have done well to share in my affliction, Paul says. No church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving, but you alone, even in Thessalonica, you sent for my needs again. This church is meeting his needs. You've got to picture that. I am amply supplied. i got lots. You're giving me lots. <laughs> Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Paul is saying in all of this, I'm remembering those who have built into me during my missionary journeys, during my travels. This little Macedonian church, by the way, is so small in number, and there's like, I think there's like three of them or four of them at first, and they have no money, and they're giving to Paul. Thank you, church, for giving me supplies and things I need for my missionary journeys. Paul doesn't mention the amount that he's getting, but it's a fragrant aroma, and maybe that was just, he was pleasing to him, a sacrifice of some kind. But it's all based on Paul being incredibly thankful for them reviving their concern. That's what he says. So here is the question Paul is posing for us, I think. During hard times, remember back to who was there for you. The text said, what we should be saying is, like Paul, I'm going to remember the people of 2020. This person who was in my life in 2020. Here's the question. This little church, I think this is what Paul is trying to say here. This little church, when they looked at Paul, just thought, he's doing great things for Jesus. No way in their mind did they think this guy was going to write half the New Testament. But they encouraged him on his journey. And now eventually, up to today, we're reading his book. We're reading his letter. That's what it's about. You help for the moment and maybe it influences a whole world. And it's in this little community that Paul is dealing with that it ends up changing and, 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 and transforming. And they're saying, for that reason we're doing it. And then all of a sudden there's this massive ripple. They had no idea that in remembering Paul through this little fragrant aroma, this little sacrifice, this little bread and water, whatever it was, that they would be pushing him forward in his missionary journeys of reaching people for Jesus, telling them their love, telling them that there's a Savior of the world for them. Part of his journey gets going and thriving because he had people in his corner. That's huge. Paul had people in his corner. 
And we're going to have a little picture on the screen here. We're going to talk about where Paul walked. It seems, I, I was sort of doing some digging around, that Paul walked about 15,500 miles. It's a lot of mileage. <laughs> it's a lot of mileage. Or 25,000 kilometers. So he either walked or boated for 25,000 kilometers. So he did the math. Canada is 6,500 kilometers from side to side. So Paul went back and forth a number of times on his missionary journey. And what this picture is going to have for you here is where he is specifically at this time. So here is Paul in Macedonia. You got in Macedonia, you got Philippi, Thessalonica, and Paul ends up in Thessalonica and only stays there for a couple weeks. This is in Acts 16 and 17. And the reality is always that Paul was in danger. Always. Paul was always in danger on these journeys. So a little east of there, there is this church that is sending things to him. They're sending things and he ends up actually going down to Berea and then to Athens and Achaia, which you'll be able to see on the map here. This is just one of the many steps that Paul had to take. Remember, he was either avoiding trouble, you know, he's about to get killed all the time, so there's these churches that, as you see, are giving him things as he goes to help him get where he needs to and to meet new church communities and to build churches and to build people on Jesus and say, okay, I'm going to write you a little letter because i got to go, so I'm going to write that letter and get it back to you, and churches are giving to him as he's going, and so he's receiving this and saying, thank you, you're advancing my mission. He thought he had reached the entire world. Paul thought there was nowhere else to go. He thought it was over that he had gone everywhere with the message. So here's the first thing to do when we're looking at this map and where our journey has been, is remember those who have been with you in 2020. Remember and give thanks for those who have been with you, who built into you. Say thank you to them. There are times in life where we are going to hit a dip. I was at the Global Leadership Summit. Well, I wasn't at it. I was in this building <laughs> watching it. And Craig Groeschel talked about this thing called leading through the dip. He, he explains to everybody that every company organization goes through a dip. <laughs> it's like we're speaking to all of us, right? Right now it feels like maybe we're in a dip. And what he was saying is that it's those people those leaders who lead through the dip and see the company come back up again that are the most important. Because if you have the right people at the right time when the company's dipping, it can come back again. If you don't, it might dip and die forever. And I want to take his idea and take it a little bit deeper. Who are the people that were around those leaders to get the company back up and started again. So I look at our staff here and I'm like, we're all together. We're going through a dip. It's hard. It's difficult. But we're around each other. I got my friends. I got people around me. I got people that I can reach out to and say, pray for me. I got volunteers and say, man, can you pray for me? This is hard right now, leading my different areas here at the church. It's hard. Who is there for you when you're dipping, when the company's dipping? Paul is saying, remember and thank those people. Who is the one supporting, building in to you 
and who did you support and build in? So to be encouraged by Paul in this way, we're going to look back and say, I remembered those who were with me during 2020 and who I helped. And we're going to see the importance of doing it again in 2021 and with a little bit more intentionality. That's what we're going to be doing. So here's where we're going to get mega practical with this. We're going to go through some things, how to do this well. So again, we're looking back at 2020 and going, man, oh man, this is hard. Who was there for me? Who was I there for? We're going to elevate those things above everything else <laughs> that was hard. We're going to let go of what was hard. We're going to say in 2021, we're going back after this thing and we're going at it harder. We're going to go at it harder and more because we know and we're going to find out that this is the key to our Christian life having influence and being real. So here's the first thing I want you to do. Who do you feel God calling you to build up and into this year? And who might be, who might you think, this person, I really want them to speak into my life. This is a great time to ask God and Lord, who, who do you want me to speak into this year? Who's going to write in their journal like Paul did in his? They revive their concern for me. Maybe there's someone out there you're going, I've got to revive my concern for them like Paul did. Who, we're going to ask God, who, God, who are you impressing on my heart? So what I want you to do is sit where you are and say, if you, God, who do you want me to impact this year? Who do you want me to go out of my way for this year and be in their corner when they're at their end? When they're at their lowest, who do you want? Like, who out there? There are people out there that need it. So think and pray and go, God, who needs me? And then, who do I need? We believe that God is a God who will and does communicate with us. In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We have a God who will listen to us in these endeavors. So we're sitting open-handed at, the, at the, the precipice of a new year and going, God, who do you want me in a corner for? And, and vice versa for me. So I'm praying over all of us that we would have clarity as to how to do this and to who to do this for, who we're going to build into, who we're going to impact here is the reality when we look at the Apostle Paul and we look at 2021. It's never done alone. His ministry's never done in silence. It's never done singularly. And it can feel like it because we just read his letters and he's this superhero, gets all this stuff done. It's not true. He's with other people. In 1 Thessalonians 1.1, Paul says, Paul, Silas, Timothy, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers we do get this idea that Paul was this lone wolf that he was the central Christian figure in the beginning of the Christian movement but there was people that Paul was grinding it out with that he was saying Jesus needs to go far I need people to know Jesus and you guys are going to help me and they got around each other and this is another thing that Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 2.11, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted every one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. You see right there, constant encourage, encouragement, one another as a team. They work together on advancing the mission of Jesus. 
Thank the people that have done it thus far with you and say, like Paul, let's do it better. Let's do it more. And it's this we, we, we mentality. I think too, when I think of 2021, what I want us to do when we're at home is say, how has God gifted you and how has he prompted you? Because we get a team, but we also get a unique responsibility because of how God's gifted us. So here's what I want to say. Paul was planting churches, okay? So when we look to Paul, we're going, man, okay, it is a little intimidating. You're planting churches in every place. You're walking 25,000 kilometers. You're boating them. You're getting beaten up, and you're still making it. And through all this, you have strength in God. Okay, this is insane, and you're nuts. But what Paul explains in other places is that each of us has been gifted in specific ways. So to let you guys relax, Paul is not asking you to plant a church. (laughs) which is a good thing, because you might say, I can't do that. And Paul's saying, fine, you don't have to do that, but there is something you can do this year. There is something, this is going back to our lives are actually, can actually matter in Jesus. There is something you can do this year. There is a difference you can have this year. It doesn't have to look like it did for Paul. It can just start by asking where and getting in the trenches somewhere, supporting someone intentionally. You might be a one-on-one person. Support that other person that's in their ministry. Like maybe there's a volunteer you know or someone at a hospital you know. So I'm going to intentionally support that person because I know that's my gifting. And I want you to think, so think of that other person you want to support. But here's what you got to understand about the dip, about life, about when we hit that dip. You need people in your corner too. So you're thinking, who does God want me to influence this year? And who do I want influencing me this year? And i got to be intentional about going out and asking that person, come into my corner. And my challenge is for you to get this done, like, right now. (laughs) So sit after this and say, okay, who is it going to be? Here's the next thing that I want you to do in 2021 as you look forward. So you're saying, here's who's in my corner during that dip. Who, uh, and I'm in this person's corner. The next thing you're going to do is pray with this person or persons constantly. Pray for one another constantly. This is something that here at the church we've tried to embody. So we're sitting here at the beginning of all COVID, and we've got, we're sitting around going, we've got to pray. We've got to pray is the directives that we felt that we were to take. So when Pastor Dan and Pastor Ken are sitting there for us, we got to make sure that we pray before we do any of this or it's not going to happen or nothing's going to work or influence isn't going to happen. Start praying. Paul prays all the time at the beginning, at the end, he prays at the beginning of his letters, I'm thanking for you in my prayers. I'm thanking you in my prayers. At the end, I'm, I'm praying for you constantly. Don't forget me. Pray with one another constantly. This is the directive. It's different than just encouraging one another. It's different than being in the corner. It's asking God to do stuff in your life where otherwise you couldn't do anything. Our lives are a gong show. We're trying to make this work, and without God, it's not going to work. So I'm sitting there going with my friends, okay, let's pray together, going with our staff, let's pray together. This year, I was making intentional space every Friday morning at 
really early times. We were meeting together, my friends, and I had youth Thursday night, so I'm pretty gassed by the end of it, but I was getting to bed on time, and I'm getting up early. I'm getting my butt out of bed to say, I got to go pray with other people, other men in my life to help me, to to push me on, but it's got to be prayer. That was the whole point of us coming together. We were already friends, but we wanted to dive deeper together, so we're getting up early. Now we're doing it a little differently over the holidays, and in the new year, it'll be obviously continued over uh, Zoom. We're saying, we've got to make space for this. This is the thing we're not going to compromise on. I'm tired, but I'm going to go because I know I need that. I'm not perfect. I am not uh, a superhero here. I've got to go over to that place and say, pray for me because that's what I need. So pray for each other constantly. The heart behind it was that. Was it perfect all the time? No. Did we run into blips along the way absolutely but we said we're going to pray for one another this year we're just going to pray for one another all the time and friday mornings is when we're going to do it maybe we read the bible one week maybe we just talk one week but it's going to begin and end with prayer and we committed ourselves to it so commit yourself to praying with one another and here's the reality about all that The more and more you do that, the more and more you look like that group. The more and more you look like one another. So I'm thinking in the Bible, okay, there's a a story of a guy named Daniel, and he's sitting in this place, and the pressure to conform to everybody else is massive. And he prays a lot to avoid that pressure. He says, God, I want to look like what you want me to do, not what they want me to do. And here's the thing about culture, okay? I was thinking about this the other day. Here's the thing about culture. If you aren't intentional with who you are and who you want to be, you're going to start to look just naturally like everything else because you haven't decided what it is you're going to look like. So naturally, you just pick up the stuff that's around you. And Daniel and Paul say, pray about it together, and you'll start to look like what God wants you to look like. If you don't, you're just going to soak in what the culture has for you. And that isn't it. Pray with each other. Constantly pray with one another. Or you'll collapse. So you're finding someone. We've asked God to impress upon our hearts who it is I'm going to be there for when it's really hard. And who's going to be there for me. And then we're going to pray together. We're going to be in one another's corner. We're going to pray together so that we don't look like everything else. We start to look like what God wants us to, like his son, Jesus. And then you're going to set out how you want to do this. Some of you have a small group. I hope that can be revived on Zoom this year. You're going to set about how you're doing that. Here's what we got to understand with Paul. We want to be efficient in our time, and Paul is saying that in 1 Thessalonians 2.9. It's what Paul says. A lot of this practical stuff is coming out of those pastoral epistles, those smaller little letters. Uh, and 1 Thessalonians 2.9 says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. So we worked. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden for any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. So we found different times. I worked all day, and then I preached to you at night. Paul worked extremely long hours with doing tent making, I think is what we think he did, supporting himself, getting a job, getting out there. And then he didn't give up on his time with his community. Stick with something. Find a time that you are going to go out of your way and make that time non-negotiable meetup time. 
So I have this group of friends that we were meeting with, and then one individually came to me and said, I want to meet with you specifically, just with you. He says, can we do that? I said, sure. So he said, I want to be there in your corner intentionally so that when we're praying all together, Blair, I can know what's going on in your heart a little bit better. I can know a little bit more about your frustrations in life, about what you're dealing with. I just want to be there for you in a way that's unique. And I could tell what was going on. This, my buddy comes to me and he says, I want this. I'm like, okay. We're supposed to watch a movie one night. He says, oh, let's run and grab Starbucks. I was like, okay. This is going to be intentional. Like right away I'm thinking, what am I getting in for? Because we had plans for this movie. I've got it all set up. Ah, you know what? And what he was saying in that moment is I'm hearing from God that I'm supposed to be with you, man. I'm supposed to be there for you. I'm supposed to fight alongside with you. And we're not going to... We're not going to screw around with this. We're going to meet every Sunday, last Sunday of the month, and we're going to get together and do this thing, whether you like it or not. And I'm sitting there going, that's what I want. I want these mighty men around me supporting me and being there with me as I run the race, as I fight the good fight of faith. I want people around me saying and stepping in. And you got to understand what that does for you when you hear someone do that for you. When you hear someone go out of their way and do that for you, you go, thank you. Like, thank you so much. I want that. And that's the thing is that's what we're pushing into. And then you do not stop doing it. So every Sunday, the last Sunday of every month, we're going, well, what are we doing today? So I I usually watch church in the morning and I go for a little run. I have some lunch. I said, what are we up to? We usually go for a walk nowadays because that's about all we can do. So we go for a nice walk and we talk. And That is the time that we will not compromise on. In the same way that this Friday morning group was all about prayer, this is all about consistency. It is easy in today's day and age to not be consistent. And you won't see any fruits if you aren't. So as we're looking at 2020, we're going, man, this was a tough year. We're looking forward saying, okay, I'm going to remember, like Paul remembered, the people that were there for me and how God did actually work in the midst of the pain and suffering. You're going to ask people into your corner more this year. You're going to go out of your way and say, I'm going to be in your corner more. You're going to pray a lot this year. That's, the, that's what we're getting from Paul. And then you're going to be consistent this year and you're going to see things in your life change. You're going to see absolute life change when you stick to something like that. So who is this person? that you're going to go out of your way and be intentional to, or this group of people, and who's going to do it for you? I think one of the reasons why this is just so fun to think about amidst all the pain is like when I think of the awesome, amazing movies in the world, it's always with a team of people getting the job done, killing the bad guys. I mean, it's just inspiring. When you watch Lord of the Rings again, you see this fellowship battered and beaten and broken, the fellowship of the ring coming together, and they do it. They're scattered, and they're, but at the end, they're all together, and that's the thing. That's the Christian movement. That's what Jesus is saying. It's all about getting together, similar visions, similar mindsets, accomplishing things for his kingdom. That's inspiring to me. That makes me want to live joyfully and deeply and meaningfully here on earth. The Christian life is so much more 
than we think. It's not about us. It's about getting out of our own minds and loving those around you. Getting out of your world and into somebody else's. So feel good this year about maybe what you've done this year. Say, you know what? This was hard, but God, you worked. And go to your way and thank that other person that was there for you. So here's our conclusion for today. Here's what we're going to have on screen. How can God use bad situations for good? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. How can we remember those who were there for us? Remember who was there for you. Remember who you were there for. And looking forward, there's three things. Who are you going to build into? Pray for each other all the time. (laughs) And stay committed. That's what we're transitioning back into in Philippians 4. And uh, Pastor Ken is going to finish that off for us as we talk a little bit about contentment and money down the road here. It's going to be a great time. So let me pray for you, and then we'll have the worship team lead us in a final song. Jesus, we want to recognize the pain that has happened in 2020. Just say, man, oh man, it's been hard, and it's different than us To redeem this year, we can't just think positively about it. We've got to think about how you were in it. Because that's what, you were in it, even though it was hard. You were in it. And Jesus, you're the one person that actually gets that because you came, you suffered when you didn't deserve it. You were like the the, the perfect person. And you suffered for us. Innocent, undeserving. And when we see that, we go, okay, you get it. You get it. You were tempted like us. You were tried like us. And you kept going and you, and you found a way through. So Lord, as we look back, let us remember those who were there for us, who were in our corner, and let's think of who were we in, whose corner were we in. And as we look to 2021, we've got to drive forward with that same type of intentionality. Who are we going to get behind? Who's going to be behind us? We're gonna, how are we going to pray with this person? And Lord, you're inspiring us through someone like Paul to stay committed, to work all day, to come home and commit to something that's going to make a difference here on this earth. That's going to advance your kingdom. And so Lord, I want to pray for those who feel deeply like they lost in 2020. I pray that you would send someone to be in their corner. And Jesus, you do mourn with them. You say that there's a time for mourning and there's a time for crying and pain. And to recognize the grief that we feel. So Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for how you do relate to us somehow. (laughs) That you came in flesh to relate to us. And to know our pain. And to encourage us to keep going through all of it. So Jesus, we love you. And keep us under your wing this 2021. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.